0: You are listening to The Gateway Church, located in Ferrisburg, Michigan. You can learn more about us by visiting thegateway.church or like and follow us on Facebook, where you can watch full services, keep up with all that is going on, and get connected. We're going to dive into God's Word, and we, at The Gateway Church, we highlight Scripture because we know that when you get God's Word in your heart, it changes things. And when we highlight Scripture, it comes back uh, to Jesus. It, it's Jesus-focused. And today, we're going to continue the series for our fall series, answering the question, Is this the end? And we're two messages down already into the series. And I want to say, if you're here and you've missed either one or two of those Go back and listen to those. There's some foundational material that we're kind of building on and that is really important. Two weeks ago, or I, don't, I think it was a little longer than that, but we started the series looking at Mark chapter 13, verses 1 through 13. And we looked at from the Bible days where Jesus was walking all the way to the present. Answering the question, is this the end? And we answer the question that yes, we are living in the end times. And the, how you say, well, why do you say that? Or how do you know that? Because the Bible said that there would be wars and famines, there would be deception and distress and destruction, birth pain, so to speak. We talked about that. And it's, it also we acknowledge that there will be a resurgence of people coming back to Jesus Finding Jesus like never before, and when you look at a global perspective, that is happening right now. We are living in the end day, in the end times, in the last days. On our second week, we didn't we hit pause on Mark, and in between verse thirteen and verse fourteen, in the white space, there is a an event that Scripture talks about that Mark doesn't address. But last week we addressed it, and we talked about the rapture. The rapture of the church. The rapture is a global, church-wide event. It's the gathering of the saints. Jesus coming for those who are dead and those who are alive. We talked about it last week. One thing I didn't say last week is that uh, the Assemblies of God, which we're an Assemblies of God church, they call the rapture the blessed hope. There's a lot of hope when you think about Jesus returning for his people. But the idea is that there was a catching away. That we'd be snatched up, and it would happen in the twinkling of an eye. You might ask the question, well, when would that be? When is the return of Jesus? Well, we don't know the day or the hour, but the Bible does give us some clues. And it says, like, in the days of Noah, when there was business as usual, that's when Jesus would return. And I believe we're closer than ever. I believe it could happen at any moment, even before this service ends. We are close. There's nothing holding this back, the return of Jesus for His church. And that shouldn't be scary to us. It really should bring us a lot of hope. And I want to encourage you that that's why we call it the blessed hope, and and that's good. Now we're going to be back in Mark today. Turn with me to Mark chapter 13. We do have extra copies of the Bible, uh, the Gospel of Mark. If you want to grab one, they're at the Connection Center. Just ask for one. They're free. We gave a couple away after first service today. And what it does, it gives you an opportunity to take some notes along the way. And today, in particular, you're going to have some opportunity to write down some verses, to write down some key statements. And I'm going to encourage you to do so, so you can really grow. Uh, uh, When we get to Mark 13, let's just... Remember that Jesus is in His last week of His ministry. Uh, he is headed to the cross. By Friday, Jesus is going to be on the cross. But He's leaving the temple. He, and he, His disciples are admiring the temple there. And then in Matthew chapter 24, we see it. Look what it says. It says, Jesus left the temple and was going away. This is a parallel passage to Mark 13. And when his disciples came to the point out uh, to him the buildings of the temple, so they're saying, wow, look at this. And he answered them, you see all these, do you not? Truly I say, there will not be left here one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. And the disciples are like, what? What are you talking about, Jesus? Jesus. And then he continues, he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately, and it says, tell us, when will these things be? And what will the sign of your coming of the age be? So he asked three questions. When will this be? What will the signs be of your second coming, of your coming for the church? And then, when will the end of the age be? Kind of the, the ultimate question. When will that happen? When will these things happen and that's where we go back to mark 13 and pick up verse 14 it says but when you see the abomination of desolation standing where he ought not to be let the reader understand then let those who are in judea flee to the mountains let the one who is at the house top not go down nor enter his house to take anything out and let the one who is in the field not turn back to take his cloak And alas, for women who are pregnant in those days, who are nursing infants in those days, pray that it may not happen in winter. Those are the verses we're going to try to get our mind around. Lord, help us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Again, if you're online tracking with us, thank you for joining us. If you're in the overflow today, we want to hear you. There's about a 15 to 20 second delay. Uh, but if I say, say amen, uh, we want to hear you say amen, even though we'll, it'll disrupt us. Uh, what I want to vo- uh, point out here is something very interesting, something we don't see in verse 14. It says, let the reader understand. It's kind of like this pause and then let the reader understand. There's a shift in the mood in Mark chapter 13 at this point. And the section that we're studying here, and certainly the first four, four verses are part of that, is we're studying the abomination of desolation. Most commentators believe that it's describing the seven-year period of time called the tribulation. Seven years of calamity. Seven years of unparalleled demonic activity. The world will be shaken. Everything will be turned upside down. And next week, we're going to talk about the tribulation in its, it, uh, to a great extent. That's going to be the theme for next week. But what did we say was going to bring in the tribulation, this abomination of desolation? It's the rapture, the next thing, which, which, which we talked about last week. And along with the rapture, there will also come a world ruler, a dictator, and after three and a half years, he will break the covenant with the, with the world and invade the temple of God, set up his own image, and force the world to worship Satan. Now, I don't want to get too far ahead of myself, uh, but I want to see. In verse 14, it talks about the abomination of desolation, and then it says, where he ought not to be. The parallel passage in Matthew 24, you can write that down. It says, so when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by the prophet Daniel, which we're going to study uh, in just a second, standing in the holy place, let the reader understand. So again, what are we saying here? He, it says where he ought to not to be. What is it saying? The abomination of desolation is describing a person. It's describing someone sacrilegious, Someone so blasphemous? And the question I would ask, is it describing the Antichrist? The language in Daniel, when it talks about the abomination of desolation, I believe it does focus and kind of points to an Antichrist. Let's look at three examples. Daniel chapter 9, 27 you might want to write it down and so you can look, up, look it up later. And when he may, uh, shall make a strong covenant with many for one week and for half of a week, he shall put an end to sacrifice and offering. And on the wings of abominations shall come one who makes desolate. So a person, until the decreed end is poured out on the desolator. You say, oh, that's tricky... Uh, terminology. That's not the way we talk. I understand. But it's describing a, an individual, a person that will come and will rule. Daniel chapter 12, verse 11. It says, and from the time that the regular burnt offerings is taken away and the abomination that makes desolate is set up, there will be 1,290 days. Those of you who can do the, your math, that's three and a half years. And we'll see that again in Revelation a little later. So a person, again, to be set up will rule for three and a half years. Daniel chapter 11, verse 31. Forces uh, from him shall appear and profane the temple and fortress and shall take away the regular burnt offering. So again, a person moving in by force. And they shall set up the abomination that makes desolate. I believe the abomination of desolation describes the Antichrist. You say, well, what does the Bible say about the Antichrist uh, as a whole? And it's interesting. I didn't know this. This is the deepest dive I've ever taken studying the Antichrist, preparing for this message. But it only is used four different times in Scripture. And, and, uh, but then when you look at Scripture as a whole, there are other describers that talk about a person, the Antichrist, and one of those describers is called the beast. In 35 different times in Revelation, the beast, when it talks about the beast, it's talking about the Antichrist. In Daniel, that we just read, when it talks about the abomination of desolation, it's talking about a king rising to to rulership. And so the Antichrist there is described as a king. A little later in the New Testament, in uh, 1 and 2 Thessalonians, that we'll see, it's described as a man of lawlessness. Again, each of these describers are describing the same situation. A person who will originally stop wars. A person who will absolve religious tensions. A person who will relax borders and will provide worldwide global economic prosperity. You say, who is that? When will that happen? I, where, are they, where is this person, right? Well, in 1 John chapter 2, verse 18, we get a little clue. That Satan constantly, I believe, has someone in the wings that could be the Antichrist. At any time. Because we don't know the day or the hour of Christ's return. But when the Lord takes his people, the Antichrist will emerge. Look what it says. It says, Dear children, in the last hour, as you have heard that the Antichrist, that's the final Antichrist, is coming. Even now, many Antichrists have come. This is how we know this is the last hour. In Revelation chapter 6, verses 1 and 2, it says, Now I watched when the Lamb opened one of the seven seals, and I heard one of the four living creatures say with a voice like thunder, Come. That's the rapture when Jesus comes for his people. And he says, I looked, and behold, a white horse, and its rider had a bow, and a crown was given to him, and he came out conquering and to conquer. describing." The Antichrist, the beast in that moment. At the start of the tribulation, a ruler will come and will first present, be presented as a deliverer, as a person of wisdom, at least human wisdom. This person will be powerful and charismatic in word and in deed. And he'll be all things to all men. What can we know about the Antichrist? You can take a deep dive. You can Google it yourself. Spend some time. And uh, and there is a lot of material. In fact, I mean, there are... uh, are Uh, 50 or more verses that describe the Antichrist and you can start to really put together a great picture of what God's Word says. Originally as I was planning I wanted to take 15 of those verses and kind of bring a point about the Antichrist for each of those and I was like that's too much. So I asked the Lord let's just narrow this down and and I have 7 and what I want you to do is we're going to start with Scripture and we're going to look at the Scripture and then I've got a little statement about the Antichrist. I do want to encourage you again to Write these things down so you can go back. We'll start in Daniel chapter 7. In Daniel chapter 7, verse 21, it says, And I looked, and as I looked, this horn, believe it or not, that's describing the Antichrist in that in that moment, made war with the saints and prevailed over them. Verse 25, it says, And he shall speak words against the Most High, and shall wear out the saints of the Most High. And shall think to change the times and the laws, which is interesting, and they shall be given in his hand for a time, times, and half a time. That's describing three and a half years. The first describer of the Antichrist is that the Antichrist will persecute Christians. You say, wait a second, I thought the Christians were all taken to be with Jesus. That's true. In the tribulation, we're going to see there, are, there will be an opportunity for those that didn't make the rapture to follow Jesus. And the Antichrist will be a persecutor. Look what it says. It will make war with the saints, will speak, will wear out the saints. That's what the Antichrist does. He persecutes Christians. The number two scripture is Daniel chapter 8. Verse 23 says in the latter end of his kingdom when the transgressors uh, have reached their limit a king okay so that's again Daniel's describing it as a king but this is the same person with a bold face who uh, one who understands riddles shall arise his power shall be great but not by his own power the next takeaway or the next uh, descriptor is that the antichrist will be a medium not extra large no, a medium. No. Just kidding. He will be a spiritist. He will tap into the occult. He will be doing supernatural things by powered by Satan. Number three, Daniel chapter 11, verse 36. It says, and the king, again, that's the Antichrist, shall do as he wills. He shall exalt himself and magnify himself above every god. So he's going to blaspheme God. And he speaks in astonishing things against the God of gods. He shall prosper till the the indignation is accomplished. For what is decreed shall be done. The Antichrist, number three, will be a dictator. He will consider himself to be God and will be a blasphemer. You can count on it. That's what Scripture describes. One more in Daniel, Daniel chapter eleven, verse thirty-eight says, "And he shall honor the God of fortresses instead of these, a God whom his father did not know. He shall honor with gold and silver, with precious stones and costly gifts." The idea here, number four, is that the Antichrist will worship mighty or uh, military might. He will come as a political leader, and first with peace on his lips, but then. He will be a warrior. He will gather an army worldwide, and it will be a superpower, and it will be the most destructive um, uh, army that's ever existed. There are some commentators believe uh, during the Great Tribulation uh, that there will be two-thirds of the population that will be killed. Can you even imagine? The Antichrist will worship military might. Let's move to the New Testament, 2 Thessalonians, chapter 2. And I know there's a lot of verses here. I just want to encourage you to write these down. You can study these later. This is where we see the Antichrist described as the man of lawlessness. It says, let let no one deceive you in any way, for that this day will come unless the rebellion comes first and the man of lawlessness is revealed. So after Jesus comes for his church... The man of lawlessness will be revealed, the son of destruction, who opposes and exalts himself against every so-called God in, objection of worship, in object of worship, so that he takes his seat in the temple of God, look at proclaiming himself to be God. The Antichrist will claim deity. And then he'll also do miracles. Let's go to the next verse. It says, The coming of the lawless one is by the activity of Satan with all power and false signs and wonders. So not only will he claim to be God, he will be able to do supernatural things powered by Satan. The Antichrist is a scary, scary thing. Verse 6, or not verse 6, number 6, Revelation chapter 13, just a couple more verses. Verse 3 says, one of his heads, this is describing the beast, seemed to have a mortal wound, but its mortal wound was healed and the whole earth marveled as they followed the beast. Verse 12, describing a false prophet. So there's going to be an antichrist and a false prophet. Uh, The false prophet will exercise all authority of the first beast who was uh, the antichrist in its presence and makes the earth and its inhabitants worship the first beast whose mortal wound was healed. What's interesting to note here is that the Antichrist apparently will be assassinated and then resurrected. Very interesting. Kind of a picture of Jesus, but in an anti-sorted way. And then the last one here, Revelation 13, verse 4, says, And they worshipped the dragon, that's Satan, they worship Satan, for he had given his authority to the beast, that's the Antichrist, and they worship the beast, saying, Who is like the beast and who can fight against it? Church, the last thing, the Antichrist will demand worship. Which goes in direct contrary to what God's word says to do. He, Exodus fifteen, eleven, Psalm thirty-five, ten, who is like our Lord. We are we were created to worship God and God alone, but there, you will be demanded to worship the Antichrist. Now, that's a backdrop on the Antichrist. Let's go back to Mark chapter 13. Okay? It says, but when you see the abomination of desolation standing where he ought not to be, that's a person, right? It's the Antichrist. Let the reader understand. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains and let the one on the housetop uh, not go back, right? And don't enter. Don't take anything, right? And let them not return to their field, but, but take... Don't take their cloak. And alas, for those that are uh, pregnant or those who are nursing infants, pray that it's not in winter. What happens is, is what I want to talk about is what happens or what do you do if you miss the rapture? That's what's being described here. And the simple answer is you run. The Antichrist will emerge and you run. If you miss it, if you don't know Jesus as your personal Savior, the rapture happens, the tribulation begins, the Antichrist emerges, you run. It will not be an easy time, to say the least. All of your previous woes, anything that, that would, would have been difficult, would not compare in the least. And plus, we see in these verses a shift theologically. Theologically. In Scripture, when there's persecution, it often talks about the church growing in its influence. The church, when there's persecution, there is this this growing of the saints. Saints are encouraged to stand firm, to be bold, but not here. What I understand is that the Great Commission will no longer be in effect. There will be no obligation to evangelize. And because of that, you don't stay and be patient. You get out and you run. You run to the hills. You say, well, why don't you just give up and kind of turn over and then say, well, well that, that's it. Well, because uh, look what uh, verse 19 and 20 say. It says, for those days there will be great tribulation as has not been from the beginning of the creation of God created until now, and never will be. And if the Lord had not cut short the days, right, to seven, and a half or to seven years, uh, no human being would be saved. But for the sake of the elect, these are those that get saved in the tribulation, we we'll are talk about that in a second, whom He uh, chose, He shortens the days. I believe that there will be true believers that will turn to Jesus in the tribulation. So the question is, is what do you do if you miss the rapture? You serve God. You turn back to Him. You repent. You go back to a message like this, or you go back to the Word of God, and you read. And part of the Word of God that you should read at that moment is Revelation chapter 13. Look what it says. It says, And the beast, that's the Antichrist, was given a mouth uttering haughty and blasphemous words, and it was allowed to exercise authority for 42 months. That's three and a half years. Remember in Daniel it was prophesied? It's prophesied here again. It, is, and it says, it opened its mouth to utter blasphemies against God. Blaspheming His name in His dwelling. That is those who dwell in heaven. Also, it was allowed to make war on the saints and to conquer them. Let me pause there. There will be those that will get saved. What do you do? You run, right? Because, look, it says, the authority was given over every tribe and people and language and nation and all who dwell on earth will worship it. Everyone whose name has not been written before the foundation of the world in the book of life on the Lamb who was slain. If anyone has ears, let him hear. And then it describes something very interesting. Look what it says in verse 10. If anyone has been taken captive, to captivity he must go. That's why you run, so you don't get captive. If anyone is slain by the sword, with the sword he must be slain. In other words, that's the the plight, but you can run. And then it says, here is a call for the endurance and the faith of the saints. So, if you, by chance, don't know Jesus this morning, and all of the saints, all of the Christians are raptured, and you are left behind, you've turned to Jesus. Give your heart to the Lord. Get into God's Word, because look what it says. He says that for the saints at that point, those that give their hearts to Jesus, they're called to live a life of endurance of faith. In Revelation 14, one more verse, and then we'll be wrapping up here shortly. And another angel, a third, followed him, saying with a loud voice, If anyone worships the beast, that's the Antichrist, And its image, and it receives the mark on the forehead or on the hand, he also will drink the wine of God's wrath. So, another thing you don't want to do is to worship Satan, worship the Antichrist, or to take the mark of the beast, which it's describing here. You would, otherwise, you would drink the wine of God's wrath, poured full strength into his cup of his anger. And he will be tormented with fire and sulfur and in the presence of the holy angels and the presence of the Lamb. And the smoke of their torment goes up forever and ever. And they have no rest, day or night. These worshipers of the beast and his image. And whoever receives this mark of, of its name. And then in verse 12, it speaks to the saints again. If you're there, if you give your heart to Jesus after the rapture, it says, here's a call for the endurance of the saints, those who keep the commandments of God and their faith in Jesus. Now, I've been studying in a book called Hope in the Last Days. I actually uh, forgot to grab it this morning. There's about 20 different things that Dave Williams in his book described that that those that miss the rapture but give their heart to Jesus, 20 different things that they should do. And I forgot the book. I called Logan. He was already on. He was our drummer this morning. And that's my son. And, and uh, we missed the opportunity. And so, uh, but anyway, there's a few things that I do remember. One is you don't want to believe the media, the social media. That when the rapture happens, you've got to believe when the Antichrist emerges and the world will be in chaos, they will spin the story of what the rapture really meant. The other thing, he says, is you need to run, get away. He says, don't come to a church. Don't, don't come to a church building because they, you will be persecuted. And then he says, uh, you also want to, uh, to endure. You want to uh, be faithful to the end, even if you're persecuted, even to the point of death. Now I understand, this is a crazy message. And Some of you guys are, you haven't been here for a long time, or you're just back, or maybe you're just visiting, and you're saying, this is crazy uh, to talk about the Antichrist. And I understand that when we talk about end time theology, or what we call eschatology, um, we said this in the series, we're not going to fight about the different views here. But we do look to God's word and we say, all right, God, reveal to us. And you start piecing together these verses and you can kind of see a clear picture from my perspective. But we're not going to break fellowship over a difference of opinion of how this all is going to happen. And the thing that we've got to keep uh, close to our heart is that Scripture is the key. Scripture always brings us back to Jesus and it always brings us to a place of hope. And I want you to know that there absolutely is hope. Now, is this the end? Are we living in the end days? Yes, I believe that we are. I believe that the end is near, that we're living in the end times. And I do believe that Jesus could come back at any moment. Now, that being said, why would we talk about the end times? Why would we ask the question, is this the end? Well, the reason is so we can reach one more. Last week, I said at the end of my message, or I asked the question, are you ready to meet Jesus if he comes back, if he raptures the church? Or if you were to go by the grave tragically, or your, your life got uh, to the point where you're sick. The, the reality is, you have been warned. In fact, I wrote in my notes this morning as I was just studying my, my uh, message and uh, just kind of meditating on it, I wrote this, that this could be the most important moment of your life. Are you ready if Jesus comes for His church? Let me just remind you of two other verses. Luke chapter 12, verse 40 says, You must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. We don't know. Business as usual. Things will be going on. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Now concerning the times and the seasons, brothers, you have no need to have anything written to you. For you are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. And the truth is, the Lord could come back at any time. Are you ready? In just a moment, we're going to give you an opportunity to accept Jesus as your personal Savior. It's why we exist, to reach one more. To reach. If you don't know Jesus... This whole message was intended for you, for your heart to be open so you don't have to face judgment. The Lord, He can save you. He can redeem you. He can pull you out of the miry pit that you're in and set your feet on a rock. And that's what Jesus wants to do. There's another takeaway, though. Another question as we close. And that is, who are you telling about Jesus? And I get it. If you've been with us the last couple weeks, these are the same two takeaways that I've shared the last couple weeks. And I can't get away from it. I can't get it off my mind. Who are you telling about Jesus? If you've been with us over the last couple weeks, you might. I, I would ask you, who have you told about Jesus in the last two weeks? A friend on Thursday, reached out to me. And he just texted me and he said, Hey, Pastor, I'm talking to my one. That's the person in his life that doesn't know Jesus. And he says, Hey, would you pray that the Lord would help me today? And later that day, he shared just briefly, it was another step in the right direction. That guy did not give his heart to the Lord, but he sees him every single Thursday, and he's committed to continue to share the good news about Jesus. And if that hasn't happened in the last two weeks for you, if you've been tracking with us, I'm saying, hey, I I would like to just have you one by one come up and I'm just going to kick you in the butt. (laughs) (laughs) And sometimes I need my hiney kicked as well. Because this is why we exist. This is what really matters. Who are you telling about Jesus? In the schools, you should be talking about Jesus in your workplace, at your home, in your neighborhoods, because the Lord is coming. And the truth is, the Great Commission is still in effect today. We, when we learn and we can share about the rapture, we can share that Jesus is coming, and it will make a difference. And the other thing that we can look to is Mark chapter 13. In Mark chapter 13, eight different times, there's a warning. Again, to be ready, to be on guard, to stay away, to stay alert, to stay ready, to be watching. And that's what we are called to do. So this morning, if you're here and you don't know the Lord, I would ask you, are you ready to meet Him? And if not, I want to invite you to the most incredible relationship that you could ever have. It's a relationship with Jesus. The Bible describes that He died for you. He gave His life so that you don't have to suffer in eternity. We call it the free gift of salvation. And my guess is in a group this size and certainly with those that are online watching, the the fact is there's someone probably here, at least one or a dozen that don't know Jesus. And if that's you, I'm going to lead you in a prayer. And this prayer can be your prayer. And it's not the words of this prayer that save you. It's the believing in your heart that Jesus died, confessing with your mouth that he is Lord. And so let's pray together. Let's bow our heads. Lord, we thank you for your word. And right now, I just ask that you would forgive me of all my sins. I believe in you that you died on the cross that you rose again. And right now, I put my faith in you. I put all my hope in you. And Jesus, I ask that you would save me and forgive me for my sins. I confess that you are Lord. I ask that you would help me to live for you. And Jesus, we pray these things in your wonderful name. Amen. If you're here or online, either way, and you just prayed that prayer, you agreed with me in prayer, and you're believing in your heart, we first of all want to say congratulations. The heavens are rejoicing. The angels in heaven, and we rejoice with you as well. But we also want know that we want to walk with you. And we have some resources for you at the Connection Center. And so we would love for you to make yourself known. And you need to tell someone. And if you tell someone here, or if you tell someone in your home, or it, 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 back in the overflow even, we want you to tell someone and let them know. And they can bring you back. We've got some resources that will help you grow in your faith. It's our heart. That's why we exist. We want to walk with you. And so we want to encourage you to do that. Um, and so, so please make, make yourself known. Now the rest of us, let's go ahead and stand and everyone all together. And let's go ahead and take the opportunity to go ahead and put our masks back on. We're going to be smart as we leave until we're outside. Keep our masks on. That, that's important to us. But um, as we close, I want you to think about that last question. Who are you going to tell about Jesus? And I know it's not sophisticated, and it's not uh, all that creative, and we've had the same takeaway for the last couple of weeks, but I'm telling you, it's in my heart. Who are you going to share? In fact, let me just give one more quick, quick story. After first service, uh, a young man came out, and he said, Hey, I told my coworker about Jesus this week, and he shared the good news. And, he said, and his coworker said, you know what? I need to get back in church. And, uh, and I don't know if he's here today, second service. He said that he was, might be coming. But what a benefit to say, you know what? To your friends, to your family, hey, you need Jesus. And don't be ashamed of it. Don't be worried about how to, what to say. Who are you going to tell about Jesus? And the Lord, he's with us. He's going to go before us, behind us, and around us. Let me pray it, and then we'll dismiss you. Lord, we thank you for this morning. Lord, we thank you for touching our hearts. Lord, we thank you for the power of your word and even the teaching and the understanding of the end times. And Lord, right now I pray that you would help us to be mobilized to share your good news. And Lord, I pray that you'd go before us, behind us, and all around us. We pray these things in Jesus' name. And all God's people said... Amen and amen. God bless you. We're going to dismiss you from the back to the front, so be patient. God bless you. Go in the grace of God. Thank you for listening to this week's message from The Gateway Church. If you'd like to find out more about our church, such as service times, giving, and ways to get connected, visit us at thegateway.church.